For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And then he gets into why he's bowing his knee. Now, I think this is a, 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 uh, establishes a very urgent prayer from Paul's heart. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. This is the resource center. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Who wrote the book of love? Who wrote the book of love? Amen? Yeah. There's a lot contained here and here. There's a central theme. A central theme of God's love. The love of God. It's about God. For God is love. It is a term that is wild, widely used. It's an endearing term. Sometimes it's used loosely. Sometimes it's used all-encompassing. But never the fact it's seemingly impactful. And Paul writes, he says that there's an earnest desire in my heart and I literally bow my knees. It seems like he has a very fervent prayer. And connected to this prayer is that we could comprehend the love of God which is not one-dimensional but is four-dimensional. 
He is saying that God's love really is in 4D. There's a clarity that is available. Of a power of being able to comprehend this love that passes knowledge. So you're not just going to be able to, you know, think it through. You're going to have to experience it in. When we fully comprehend the magnitude and the impact of God's love, it begins to shape everything about our relationship to Him and our relationship to the world and to others. The New Testament spends a lot of time on love regarding relationship, both with God, both with mankind. That true knowledge and understanding of God's love becomes the foundation for our spiritual growth, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. The greater we understand the, the width, length, and depth, and height of the love of God, the more full of God we become. A love that becomes our total motivation in how we live. We could be the best at everything Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paraphrasing it. But if you don't have a motivation of love. It's missing the very essence of the gift of the purpose, even the sacrifice. We know that love is the primary attribute of God. The love of God is profound, it's unmatched, it's greater than anything. I remember the old hymn, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Then the master of the sea saw, heard my despairing cry, and out of the depths he lifted me. Love lifted me. 
Love has power. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Amen. The dimensions of God's love. His love to us. Number one, the agency of God's love is the Father. The Father's love. The relational love. The family love. The Creator's love. The nature of God's love is that it's not earned, but it's freely given. The act of God's love as we come into this Easter season is that God gave His Son. The degree of God's love, as we will discover as we look at the dimensions of it, is really extreme. And the key to understanding that love is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. Sometimes I think the modern church is is become obsessed with knowing about God rather than actually knowing Him. The world by wisdom knew not God. You can't you can't rise to this level of love just by study. You only can rise to this level of love by relationship. Amen. So let's look this morning about the width of God's love. The width of God's love. I like to call it the coverage of God's love. The coverage of God's love. That horizontal dimension of the love of God. One of the things that the Jews failed to recognize was this coverage of God's love. They felt that the love of God was exclusive to them. Now, they did have a running start, without a doubt. But they thought that salvation was just for the Jews. But when we look at the scope of salvation and we pick it up in Revelations, chapter 5, verse 9, it says, As John looked at the finished work of Christ, he said there was 
someone out of every tongue and tribe and people and nations. God loves just not me. God loves not just, just not America. But even the hidden tribes that maybe even yet have to be discovered. I don't know. I know they have in the last, you know, 50 years discovered many tribes. So whether small or great, John said, I saw them there. In chapter 5, verse 11, he began to, to give us a, a picture of the multitude of, of these people. And he said it was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And then he goes on to say in, in verse uh, uh, 21, he said there was a number that no man, there were so many no man could number them. The coverage of God's love. That's the love that God wants us to have. The coverage of God's love. Yes. The redemption of Jesus Christ is for the whole creation. Yeah. It doesn't, it not only covers mankind, but it covers the world that we live in. Paul wrote in Romans, he says that all of creation is in bondage, but it's waiting for the finishing of this thing, which was included in the work of Jesus Christ. God's love is for everyone in the world. And that love starts before we ever became and while we were sinners. Hallelujah. God loves sinners. God loves ugly sinners. <laughs> Minor sinners, major sinners, sin that offends us. God loves sinners. That's the kind of love. He hasn't, he hasn't went ahead and, you know, been choosy and I'll get to this because there's some other dynamics of love at the end. But he hasn't been choosy when it comes to the coverage of his love. The extent of God's love, it's everlasting. The patience of God's love. Why we were still sinners the pardoning of God's love when we were dead in trespasses and sins. And then, of course, the perfecting of God's love 
and casting out the fear. This love that has a, in this dimension, it, 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 it's without bars. It it's, is without respect of persons. There's no barricades. There's no blockage. But it's all embracing and all encompassing. I'm just learning a little more about the love of God. And he talks about not just the width, but the length of God's love. It's from eternity to eternity. That includes your time on earth, my time on earth. I just read uh, about a lady who was a, in the parks uh, uh, Recreational Parks Department. She's been there all of her life as a, a ranger, but she just retired at 100 years old. Yeah, for 100 years. She's loved. Well, she's still loved because she's still living. It began in eternity and it continues through time. It doesn't vary. It doesn't change. There's no interruptions in God's love. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. It does not rise and fall. It's completely full. The Apostle Paul, one of our great scriptures that we love, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things. I mean, they, they can't get in there and stop God's love. The devil can do his best. He can mess things up as, as, you know, as terrible as he can, and he has. God's love has never wavered. Hallelujah. It's interesting. You can have an argument with God and it doesn't waver his love. We have arguments with each other and it kind of wavers our love. Oh, maybe not. His love is, it's an unbroken line. It's constant. Thank God for his, the length of his love. The depth of God's love. I like to call this the intensity of God's love. The intensity of his love. We as humans, we probably can relate to that a little bit and understand, you know what I mean? 
I mean, we love, but I, I suppose I would presume that the intensity of our love runs more intense for our wives and our children, and then everything else is kind of just a little less intense, right? I sure hope so. <laughs> There's a song, it's a great song, it says, it reaches to the highest mountains and it flows to the lowest valley. God in tentlessly loves you so much that he divested this is the intent of God's love that he divested himself of all that glory in heaven and God is gave it up He didn't hang on to anything. He says, I love you so much. We need that kind of love. Because we're bad. Just listen to the kind of people that God died for. And you were one of those, and I were one of those. I'm not one of them today. Okay. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understands. There's none who seeks after God. Hmm. They've all turned aside. There's none who does good. No, not one. There's no fear of God in their eyes. But yet he loves. Romans 5 and 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If God demonstrated his love for us in our sinful state, we also must demonstrate God's love in people's sinful state. It's too quiet. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah. Think about it. I think I'd be right in this this angle. 
that sinner sinning does not interrupt God's day because he loves them he loves them I don't know guys When I read about sin, I kind of disrupt my day. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. That there's a measure of love that God had. And, you know, it's, it's not a love that says it's okay, but I love you in spite of. You know what I mean? I'm for you. You know, irregardless of. I reach for you. And, of course, we have the height of God's love, which is the character of God's love. He died not only to give us forgiveness, but he also, as Doug said in his communion, he died to make us good. He died to make us good. The purpose of God wasn't just to, to forgive us, but to make us his own children. To give us that new principle of life for, and, and for living. Jesus said, as he prayed, he said, Father, I pray for them that they may be with me where I am. He doesn't just get us out of prison. He takes us to a brand new home. And, that, and that's, that's it's so important because he's not just trying to get you saved. And then, hello. He wants to take you all the way. And he said, I'm going to do it. Children of God. The character of God's love. He said as part of this redemption is that one day he's going to transform our lowly bodies into bodies like himself. At resurrection. This past week, I could have used that body. Anybody had any days that you could use a... Yeah. There's a promise. And it's coming. All because of God's love. You know, all because of God's gracious love. I think it'd be good if I put in here... Paul's words to us in the Corinthians behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep we shall all be changed you know what's behind that the love of God 
the dimension of God's love. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That's how musicians have come this morning. The dimension of God's love. It's about more than just getting saved. And the dimension of our love must be about more than just getting people saved. I love has to reach and keep reaching and keep reaching. Our love has to be patient and kind and gentle and long-suffering. What an amazing treasure that we have that Jesus said that love is our greatest testimony. Love is our greatest testimony. By this shall all men know thee are my disciples, ye have loved one for another. I really want to love more. I really want to be filled with the fullness of God. I find it as I'm understanding God's love, not just for me, but for others. It produces a compassion. An understanding. And also a sense of, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus didn't die so we could get away with it. Jesus died so we could get out of it. So now let me talk just a moment as I wrap up this sermon this morning. Some aspects of God's love that in this book as we read it, you know what I mean? And, and that word love is just put here and there and, you know, and, and it almost looks like it's a blanket. there is a blanket but there's also some specifics 
So first of all, we have what we could call, you know, God's providential love, which is an intervention love. God, when he made the world, he set up a care for it. He loves his creation. You see a picture of this, of God's love and care for his creation. When he said, he said, I want you to look at the sparrow. And not one of them falls to the ground, but your heavenly father knows about it. That providential care, you know, an intervention of God. His love. And then we have what is known as redemptive love. Redemptive love. That is God's love toward fallen man. That's where we, that's where we, you know, probably think mostly when we celebrate this Easter. Our thoughts will probably be limited in that sphere because that's as far as we allow ourselves to go or have. For God so loved the world it is a it's a world that we all were part of the fallen a, a love that comes with an invitation he died for them all but demands a response. God just loves the fallen man because he understands their plight. understands how bad they are and how much they need him. Redemptive love. But there's also in this love of God there is a, a particular what we would call an elective love. A love of of the chosen or for the chosen a love for his children Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 he said that Christ loved the church it's an elective love 
It's a relational love. It's the love that is there after our redemption. That's why he says in the scriptures, you know what I mean, that I love them who love me. God loved the world before they loved him. So it's not that. It's the, law, it's, it's the love that says the more that our relationship improves, the more there is that overflow or the fullness of God. That's what he's talking about when he's when in the, in the commandment he says, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength." It's relational. It's that's that that designated love. Anybody can walk in it. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. Esau, Jacob have I loved, but... Esau have I hated. That was the relational side, the selective, not the love. He died for Esau. His love. And as you stand with me this morning, the last one is... God's provisional love or love that is conditional. One is relational, one is conditional, and it often is accompanied with what you see in Scripture is obedience. Obedience. says as you obey me you will know me better as you obey me I will reward you yes it's the relationship with him once you have known him come to know him the width the length the height the breadth the providential love of God the redemptive love of God the selective love of God 
provisional love of God. I believe that we, as people experience that on a regular basis. But here's what Paul said. He said, I bow my knee because I want you to understand these dimensions of God's love. Hallelujah. You see, someone that gets saved and accepts Christ's, you know, work of salvation and and that that's good enough. But the never move into relationship. They never move into that dimension of love. Do we have a song here? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's the kind of love that Paul said when he was speaking. He said, I'm a, I'm a prisoner of love. He said, I, I can't help myself. I'm captivated. You know? He said, this thing is just not about duty. It's about... So church, we got to love like God loved the world. We got to love like that. Then we also have to move into relationship that was purchased by that same love. Because see, it's about length, breadth, height, and depth. Amen. Father, this morning, thank you. Help us to know your love in these dimensions. So that we might be filled with the fullness of you. Give us hearts of comprehension and let us do it together. Because your word says with the saints. So I pray for Bible Center Church that we as saints will together find this depth Find this height, find this width, and find this length of the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Just go out and love. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.